0: Hey,
1: dude. I mean, uh, it's really nice to have you, you know, on on screen where I feel like this time getting to talk to you, and this is not at all a dig, I have more of your
0: attention than last time because you were busy. (laughs) When I was in Auburn, you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That was a whirlwind of a weekend, man. (laughs) Uh, It was cool, though, because I got to, I was busy, but I was busy doing a bunch of stuff I love to do, right? I was doing shows all through Alabama. Uh, I got to play on the alumni water polo team. Uh, I got to hang out with the friends. I got to go eat some barbecue at Byron's and go hit Mama Goldberg's and Willie's Wings and uh, just a bunch of nostalgic stuff. I had some family come over and I gave my nephew a uh, a, a tour of Auburn's campus, even though Auburn's campus is completely different now. I didn't recognize anything, Uh, but it was an awesome weekend. But yes, it was a whirlwind uh, and uh, it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, um, I, I was keeping up with what you were doing as you were kind of uh, – because you were posting on your story a lot. I could tell you were excited to be in town. And, man, uh, before I could even ask, you just name-dropped all the places in Auburn that you <laughs> love name-dropping.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's easy. It's Those are the spots. I'm trying to find uh, – where is it? I have a little um, – shoot, I don't know where – it's normally right here on my desk. Um, I have a little uh, – um, replica of Byron's Smokehouse, the original one, the original location that uh, someone made me for a graduation gift. And so Byron's Smokehouse always sits right here on my desk. And then I got this over here. It's not up on the wall right now, but this is a sketch of Tumors Corner. Yeah. So yeah, man. Auburn, of course, dude. And I get to go back. Man, I don't get to go back very often, so it's it's nostalgic. Yeah.
1: Um. It was nice uh, getting to getting to meet you in person uh, whenever you were in town, getting to, you know, uh, film some water polo stuff. Uh, that was my first time getting to see water polo. And I've heard yeah. you talk about it for a long time. And you and you mean, you do a good job of hyping it up and making it sound like something I should go check out. But <laughs> you know what's funny is uh, I've heard you uh, enough on like podcasts and stuff talk about the cringy joke that everybody makes about like, well uh how do you keep the horses from drowning and all that and honestly i like now whenever i hear like you know you talk about it on a podcast or something i like cringe for you because i'm like this does sound like it would be an
0: annoying joke to hear over and over so the when i first started getting that a lot was when i was at auburn uh and and i was like you know captain of the team and had to come up with all this fundraising and stuff and we uh one of our buddies, it, it was like something out of a, a Saved by the Bell episode or whatever. One of our buddies was like, yo, I got this in on these seat cushions. And so we could buy them for really cheap and then resell them. And we're like, all right, let's do it. So we took all our money and bought like $500 worth of seat cushions. And we're like, we're going to flip them and like make twice as much money, right? Well, they show up in bulk and they were like the cheapest, dumbest. thing. They, they were like not even comfortable they were like foam that were cut out to au and it wasn't even the right shade <laughs> of blue it was like a, it was like a it was like gator colors more than it was auburn colors so i'm like dude every game day you, like you you guys we got into this pickle every game day instead of uh going and tailgating and and getting hammered and cooking barbecue and sleeping in and having fun uh we're we're going to sell all these we got to go sell at least 20 of these every game day before we go going into- so that's what we did. We'd go around all the tailgaters because college kids don't have money. So you had to go over to the RVs where the alumni were there, right? And we'd be like, oh, we're raising money for the uh, uh, Auburn water polo team. And those are the guys who are always – because it was a Jeff Foxworthy joke. So they all had yeah, it in their yeah. head. And they're like, water polo team? How y'all keep the horses from drowning? I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, good one. Oh, I haven't heard that one before. $20, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, I work in, uh, I work in, i work in customer service, you know, like in bars and restaurants and all that for a few years now. And, uh, I've gotten real good at laughing at really unfunny jokes. Yeah. Try, <laughs> try
0: being a comedian. <laughs> after, oh man. After, after every show, there's a line of people and they're like, yeah, I got one for you. You can steal <laughs> this if you want, I'm Like, Probably
1: won't. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of where, uh, let me look at my notes here for just a second. Um, oh, I thought this was funny maybe a funny little, you know, anecdote or thing to kind of bring up. Um, you and I first started corresponding, uh, sometime in 2021, I believe, probably like August or something like that. And, um, uh, a few months ago, uh, you and Forrest on the Merman had a, had an episode uh, of the Merman where you told the story of, of you meeting Tim Cook. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I'm just gonna make a comparison here. I felt similarly when I first was like, I'm gonna take a shot in the dark. I probably had been drinking, similar to your story, <laughs> and was like, oh man, like, yeah, I really would love to, you know, connect with Dave at some point because, you know, uh, it's really cool to see Auburn grads doing stuff, uh, doing, being really successful in in the kind of areas that I'm interested in, which is, you know, I love. Comedy, music, podcasting. So it, it's really cool to see that you're you're doing as well as you are, and um and so like reaching out to you was really cool that you emailed me back. You know within probably 24 hours, and I was like I went to my wife. I probably woke her up or something in the middle of the night. And was like, babe, Dave Williamson responded to my <laughs> my email, and she was just like, wait, really? That's awesome. And so anyway, it's uh thank you for being you know willing to. At least, you know, uh, I guess my whole point is you could have just left that in your junk folder, spam folder or whatever, but or whatever happened. Um, but thank you for responding and, you know, making this effort and everything.
0: Yeah, no, you got it, man. I mean, look, the key is that a lot of people reach out asking for something and you are reaching out offering something, you know, and you were uh, anytime someone says they're an Auburn grad. I mean, you know, you always want to support each other and uh you're like hey man i'm an auburn dude and i uh i appreciate what you're doing and i just want to know if you ever need video or or photography then i can i could be a service right and uh i always try to write people back uh within 24 hours cuz if i don't i'll never remember just married <laughs> and then people are like oh guys but the bar is set much lower for you reaching out to me than me trying to get a response from tim cook <laughs> And I I did the story you're talking about is during the pandemic, I uh was drinking a bottle of wine one night watching Netflix by myself. And I don't remember why I did this or what, but I just messaged I, I looked online and Tim Cook's email was online. So I, I just, <laughs> just emailed him and I said, Hey man, thanks for being a, a strong Auburn man. He oh, he had said some stuff publicly about a lot of the social unrest that was going on at the time. And, uh, I was like, hey, thanks for, for just speaking up, you know? And then he wrote me back and went, wrote, uh, thanks, Dave, War Eagle. And I was like, maybe, maybe it's him. Maybe it's his secretary. Yeah. I don't know. But then I wrote back immediately, if you ever want to have a comedy special on <laughs> Apple TV, blah, blah, you know, <laughs> then, then all of a sudden I was asking for something. But then yeah. I went to the, the, the Iron Bowl with my fan, my, my, brought my, my sons and my wife and my, uh, nephew who's, who's looking at Auburn to go now. And. And I got sideline passes, thanks to my buddy. And we were down there, and uh, Tim Cook was right there. And uh, I just kind of, like, slid over. And I was like, hey, Tim, how are you? You know, like, and I was like <laughs> you know, I said the same thing you just said. I said, Tim, I, you know, I just wanted to say I emailed you during the pandemic. I thought it was really cool you emailed me back. War Eagle, thanks for being a great Auburn man. And uh, he was like, yeah, of course. And then I'm like, can I take a picture? And he's like, <laughs> All right. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, that's the funny thing. Um, after you were in Auburn at the end of January and you and uh you know I saw you perform and everything, I realized after the whole thing, I was like, you know, I probably should have gotten a picture with Dave, you know, cause it was cool <laughs> to meet you, but I but I'm just not that type of person. Cause n- and no matter who I'm meeting, I'm like, I I'm just it feels awkward to me to be the type of person that's like it feels kind of, and I'm not disparaging anyone, but I just feel kind of clout chasey in that way, and I'm yeah. not—I I don't like to be that person. So you know,
0: it, it's tough, man. Um, Especially if you're trying to like, you know, do things in this in this industry, then you know, then you're not really trying to be a fan; you're trying to be a peer. Um, yeah. So I blame it on my kids now. When I meet somebody that I want a picture with, I go, "Hey, man, my kids are a big fan. Can I take a picture <laughs> with you?" They're not gonna believe it, you know. Like I don't want it, but you know, my kids will think it's cool, and then people are like, "That's yeah, funny." Of <laughs> See, it's hard, it's hard for me.
1: It's hard for me because my son is only one. Uh, <laughs> so, so unless I'm meeting Bluey or someone like that, you know, and,
0: uh, unless I'm meeting an animated character, it's a little bit hard for me. Oh, you got to blame it on a buddy then. Ah, oh, man, my buddy's a huge fan. Dude, <laughs> is it cool if I just he'll he'll lose his mind if I just send him this photo right now? You know?
1: Yeah, that's fun. Um... But, yeah, um, I just wanted to make that comparison, you know, kind of like uh, tongue-in-cheek or halfway joking just because, I, you know, it, it's just funny. When I heard you telling that story, I was like, this is about the level of excitement I had when Davey Abel me back, so. <laughs> um, and speaking of that, it was funny. I just think this story should be told on a podcast. I don't know. I think it's funny that, like, you know, you and I had been corresponding for a couple years or year and a half or so. And then, uh, the first time I was ever going to meet you in person was, uh, at the water polo game that you were playing that I was going to film. I was wearing a Speedo. (laughs) Well, no, I was going to say what was funny was I remember like walking in, I'd never been in the aquatic center. And so I was kind of like, I was like, I have no idea where I'm going. I probably walked around like the whole place just being like uh, the outside being like, where do I go in? But then I remember walking in, I finally like saw you, you were like the last person I finally saw. <laughs> and as I was walking up, you were wrapping a towel around yourself to, to like, like pretty much a way to like hide yourself changing yeah. into a Speedo. And yeah. I walked up and I was like, Dave, uh, Hey, I'm Peter. Uh, this might not be the best time to, you know, meet you. And I think you said something like, this is actually the perfect time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's called deck changing. You wrap a towel around you and then drop your pants and then pull your Speedo up and you just be really careful not to drop your towel during the process. <laughs> uh, it's happened before, trust me. Um, but yeah, that is perfect timing, absolutely. We're friends forever because of that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, uh, it was really fun getting to watch some water polo and uh, I wanted to kind of ask you, because I don't think that, if I'm not mistaken, from what I've heard you kind of talk about, you don't really get as many opportunities to play water polo
0: these days because you're mostly coach, right? Yeah, I coach. I'm an assistant coach at the high school here just because I'm super passionate about it. I love coaching. I love the sport. And now my son plays on the team. He's a sophomore. So, you know, for 20 years, uh, more often than not, I've been coaching somewhere in some some way uh, other people's kids. And it's just really cool that now I get to uh, put time and energy and um, passion into creating uh, cool experiences for my son. Because it, it's the best, man. And, and a lot of reason why I do it is because I didn't have those opportunities. Well, I just didn't know that those opportunities existed when I was a kid. Um, so there's nothing better than playing a team sport and getting to go do training trips or uh, accomplishing goals together and, and playing in cool tournaments and, and doing stuff like that. So um, I, I've, I've been literally I've been coaching for 20 years just to have the experience and knowledge to put my kid in position now to have really cool experiences. That's
1: awesome. And I mean, uh, you live in a part of the country that that it seems like water polo is a bigger thing there than, than than most places. Like, I mean, I I don't even know a place in Alabama where you can really play it except for maybe like a very wealthy neighborhood or something. Yeah,
0: it's growing, man. They have a, they have some in Huntsville. They have some programs where they're trying to, you know, get younger guys into it. And um, uh, Atlanta, actually, it's grown a lot. But, yeah, it's definitely – it it's a big thing. It's as big as football out here. It's like this is water polo mecca out in L.A. And uh, L.A. is mecca for water polo and comedy. So, you know, when we had to move to go either to New York or L.A., I looked at my wife and was like, L.A. would be pretty cool. You know? <laughs> um, so, we uh, yeah, we, we got a lot of good water polo, high-level water polo out here. Um, but, yeah, I don't get to play, obviously, because I just don't have the time. Like uh, – I played through most of my twenties on masters teams and stuff, and I just now I'm on the road. Like my my um my attention and, and all my time goes into you know trying to further my career, really. <clears throat> so I, I still like playing. I'd rather get in and play a pickup game of water polo than a pickup ba- game of basketball and and blow my knee out, you know. Uh, but I also don't like being the weakest link. I I, I like being. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I, I were when I worked hard at it. I feel like I was usually the best or one of the best guys in the pool at whatever level I was at. And then out here, it's just like I get in and these dudes are good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm just, I'm out there just like, man, I'm the worst guy in the pool right now. You know? <laughs> so uh, it was fun to go back and play in that tournament, play with some other old guys and, uh, you know, play, play, get some young, young kids too, where we could maybe not be as in shape, but be a little smarter and, yeah. uh, and kind of, you know, score some goals. I had a couple goals that my nephew got to see me score, uh, that were nice goals. And man, I wish you were filming the next day because the next day I, I scored this one backhand where it was just kind of like half skill, half luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and hit the bar. Went in, and it looked real cool. It's where you hear the whole pool go. Ooh. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I wish I had that on video to prove I did that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think some of the coolest points that I saw were, were ones where someone would just kind of toss it over their head in it and it went in and I was like that's hard to that's hard to beat right there. That that's just good game,
0: you know. Yeah, when it's when something cool happens, it's really cool in that sport, man, for sure. And you know, it's just so neat for me too. I played so many games in that pool when I was in college. It's just cool to go back and kind of get some of those same feelings back and 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 uh remember some of the stuff and tell stories. I was the oldest guy there by far. There was not and then the ref, like you know, I'd, I'd make a big move where I turned a guy and I'd inside water and went to go make a move, and then uh, they steal the ball back from me, and I'm looking at the ref like, you gotta, you gotta reward me for that move, right? And then the ref, they're the refs are my friends, so I could I could ball bust them. <laughs> uh, but the the refs are like, uh, no, we gotta finish the move. I go, yeah, normally I go, but I'm 20 years older than the kid I just spun. Like, like, you know, like, like help a brother out, man. Like, you know. <laughs> I get it if I'm like an 18 year old kid and you're trying to make me work for the call and do it the right way and, and push me to be better. But I go, I had to dig really deep for that move, man. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's like if a 44 year old dude goes up to dunk on somebody and, uh, and there's a lot of contact and the dunk doesn't quite go in. Give him the foul, man. Let him go. Shoot free throws. <laughs> That was hard work for that guy to get up there and dunk it.
1: <laughs> um. It seems like, in general, uh, being active is, like, a big part of your personality and everything, because, I mean, um, there's plenty of people who, as they get older, really just, I mean, like, even me, I'm 29, and I feel like I'm so much less, like, active in my life and everything, and I feel like, you know, as you have kids, it it gets harder to... But but I I don't know I feel like there's a sense from you that I really like where it seems like you're just really into like having fun and finding ways to have fun but also you know be active and get your exercise and that kind of thing.
0: Well, you're you're in the toughest part of life for that man because <laughs> you're you're at a point in life where uh, you're just starting to lose your metabolism yeah. like <laughs> all the way through. Your, and and when you got uh, your first kid and they're young, all mm-hmm. of a sudden like. You know, you're used to being able to to juggle everything and still get up and go to the gym in the morning or, you know, and it's just your time gets sucked by, by the baby. You're not sleeping good. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just a lot of contributing factors where it gets tough when you're about your your phase of life. Um, but yeah, like for me, man, I'm not the kind of guy who can re- religiously go to the gym or go on jogs. So I got to find ways to get active, uh, whether it's getting in the pool and uh, playing with the the uh, water polo team while I'm coaching them or meeting my buddy down by the beach and doing an ocean swim or when we're on tour with Bert, he likes to go play disc golf uh, or going for walks with my wife and my dog. Like, I, I got to find ways to stay active because I just don't have the, the discipline or the... Um, attention span to really get into a gym every day. Although when you're in the hotels a lot, uh I have started building the habit of going down to the hotel gym and getting on like the elliptical and doing some stuff. But I was getting fat last uh, the last tour I did with Burt man, we were gone so much and we were, you know, eating good food and and just on the road for so long and drinking beers and it started catching up to me. So I yeah. I had to we did this we did this um hike up in Vancouver called the Grouse Grinder. And it was one of those moments where I felt like the weak link again. I was like, man, it's taken us so long to do this like really steep hike. I don't think we're gonna have time to finish it because we got to get back to the venue for the show. And I was the one slowing everyone down and my back was hurting and I'm like, I got to lose 20 pounds, dude. So (laughs) I I, I did. (laughs) Well,
1: congratulations. I mean, that's a it's it's hard to do, especially like you said, when you're on tour all the time and it's uh well actually and this kind of brings up a whole thing I wanted to talk about um how long I I mean from like if I'm kind of looking at your uh career over the past you know 10 to 12 years or so like you know looking at like your comedy from your first album all the way through stuff I've seen you do more recently um uh it's only been maybe like five to eight years that that barbecue and like food and cooking has been like a real big part of your kind of comedy personality. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got really into it maybe six or seven years ago. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole like telling jokes about or stories about, because you talk about what's going on in your life. Right. So my kids are my kids are teenagers now. So, I mean, I I've been doing stories about, you know, having a family and being a dad for quite a while. And, um, I think that barbecue lends itself to that persona. It, it makes sense. Right. Oh Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I was a real, I've always been a real big, um, uh, I've been passionate about eating good barbecue, you know, starting, <laughs> starting there at Auburn at Byron smokehouse, man, I'm telling you, I go every other day. I'm not exaggerating. It's and, my favorite uh, barbecue place in
1: Auburn. I, I really love it. It's awesome. It,
0: it's so good, dude. And, uh, and Glenn, uh, you know, the owner there is just great. The whole family is good people. It's just a great spot. Um, so I, I I would go to like Texas and I lived in North Carolina for a while and just traveling all over the country. And and it was always uh, something I like to do to find the best local barbecue. <laughs> And I'd come back to LA and I'd get mad. I'd be like, why is there no good barbecue here, man? It all sucks, right? And so <laughs> finally I got mad one day. I told my wife, like, I'm teaching myself. And I went to Home Depot and bought a crappy $100 uh, smoker. And, and it was a, uh, it was terrible. I, I couldn't even figure out how to get that thing lit, you know? and. And uh, I, I have these pictures now that pop up on my time hop from seven years ago, where I was like really, <laughs> really proud of this brisket, and they pop up now, and I go, "Oh my god, that's so t- terrible looking." <laughs> like, I th- thought I did a good job, and I totally did Um, But it it, uh, it, it just became a passion that that slowly, accidentally turned into you know a little bit of a persona in my entertainment career, um, and now I man, it's so fun to. to uh like my son had a soccer banquet yesterday and I brought uh six racks of ribs. So there was all this like potluck dinner and then I'm at the end of the table chopping ribs, you know, for the, and, and all of all of his friends know so all of his friends are like, Meet Dave, meet Dave is here <laughs> And so it's it's fun, man. It's fun to have that that uh moniker and that that kind of reputation. Uh, I want to backtrack
1: for just a second and then we'll go back to another question. I just, a fun story that I feel like, or a little anecdote, maybe um, my dad um, went to Auburn high school with Glenn, with Glenn from, from oh, nice. Byron's. Yeah. And, um, and what's funny is apparently, I mean, I hope I'm not, I don't think Glenn listens to podcasts. So I doubt he's even going to get this information, <laughs> but my, my, my dad said that back in high school, Glenn was a lot, he, he was a little more overweight than he is now. And, his nickname was Protein. And I think that's so funny that he ended up, that his family like owns Byron's and that that's like his identity is that, then his, I I mean, that might be an offensive nickname to him because I mean, like I was a chubby teenager and I'm sure that if someone called me one of my nicknames from back in the day, I'd be like, you know, fuck you. But it's just a
0: funny anecdote to me. Nah, that's a great nickname, dude. I mean, my nickname is Meat, Meat Dave. So I mean, Protein's the same thing. Protein (laughs) Dave might've been a better nickname. (laughs) But anyway, uh,
1: no, um, uh, it just seems like, you know, from, from a lot of the stories that, uh, that I've heard you tell on podcasts about going to Auburn or in your comedy that, you know, uh, eating good food, you know, uh, like Byron's or Willie's wings or stuff like that, that was like an important part of, you know, cause I mean, honestly, uh, that's what a lot of the South's identity is, even in the smallest, you know, places where there's nothing going on, not that Auburn's that, but, you know, they have good barbecue or good some kind of good food. So it's like the whole identity of the place is based around food. But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling a little bit. I have a question for you. When you were at Auburn, uh, did you ever go to a restaurant, a pizza buffet on Gay Street called Mr. Gaddy's Pizza?
0: Yeah, I lived at the Commons my freshman year. uh, And it was right next door to it. So we'd walk over there. And we would annihilate it because it was all you could eat. <laughs> so, yeah, dude. We would um, we would we would go over there and just absolutely we we would make a, a a an outing of it. We'd we'd get like seven dudes and we'd go over there and just see who could crush it the most.
1: Well, uh, that's really funny. I mean, just in general, I mean, it's a, it's a small world. My grandfather was the uh, general manager there for like the entire time that you were in school at Auburn, and okay. I had so many like. Uh, birthday parties in like a little kid's birthday party room there and we'd play in the arcade all the time and my my, my older brother and my cousin would go and just like because we got you know we got in for free because my grandfather was the general manager we would go all mm-hmm. the time and they would just like you said eat so much pizza and it's just a funny you know um uh, that's just like you know i actually have a mr Gaddy's chair in my studio over here that that my grandfather like repainted they used to be orange and blue and he repainted the orange part white. So it's like, you can still see some orange, like, scratching off under the white. But anyway, I just thought it was funny.
0: Yeah, um, no, Mr. Gaddy's was definitely... I was t- actually just recently talking about Mr. Gaddy's with somebody. I don't remember why. But f- <laughs> food is totally... Uh, 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 anchor for memories, uh, for us, you know? So I think especially college food, man, it's such a, it's the first time you're away from home and your mom's not cooking meals for you and you live in a dorm, so you can't really even cook. So like the, the places that you go and, and make you feel comfortable and, and you attach so many memories of that specific frame of time to, uh, food places. And and I mean, especially in college towns, Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Willie's wings was such a thing for us. Like we ordered so many wings from Willie's, uh, all that we were out camping one time at Watley's, uh, farm way out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Charlie Watley used to let us use his property to go out and and camp. And we were starving one night. We're like, do you think we get Willie's to, to deliver all the way out here? And we called and we like negotiated it with the guy. We're like, how close can you come? So he drove it all the way out to that busy bee place. And we, we just drove down the street and met him at the B, the busy Bee and, and, <laughs> and then just, cr- and you, you, uh, it was most economic to order them a hundred at a time. So we'd always order a hundred wings, you know, and it was like, <laughs> it was like, it was like 30 bucks. It was like nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we, we, uh, we, we loved Willie's man. And then, you know, mama Goldberg's is a staple. That's probably the most famous place in Auburn. Um, I remember one time, uh, when I was a sophomore, uh, I lived with the same dude I lived with my freshman year, but we got an apartment at Scarborough square. And, um, we had a third roommate who was a freshman, who was a dude, who was a family friend of my roommate. So I didn't know this guy before he moved in with us. And, uh, he was rushing a frat. I think it was a beta beta. And, um, and they'd always call in the middle of the night. And I'd pick up the phone. We had landlines back then, right? Yeah. So I'd pick up the phone. I'd be like, hello? And they're like, it would be some drunk frat guy. He'd be like, Coleman. And I'd be like, nah, man, I, I don't think he's here. Coleman, get on the phone, Coleman. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. And I'd, I'd go bang on his door. And I'd be get up, man. People are calling or whatever. And so I'd be like, why do you, why do these people call you in the middle of the night? And they're like, well, you know, we have to do whatever they say. Like, you know, so a, lot of, a lot, of, lot of times they're too drunk to get food. So they send us somewhere to get food for them. And I go, I go, well, well do you have to do it. Like, yeah, we have to do it. I go, do you have to do they make you do weird stuff? Tell us all the stories. And I'm like, all right. So one day he left his uh, directory out on the table. So it was all the guys who were like rushes with him. So we would just pick, we'd pick a name and we'd call <laughs> him. And we'd, we'd be like, Wilson. And they were like, yeah. And we're like, go get three pizzas from wherever, right? <laughs> we're like, we're like, take it to the pool at Scarborough Square. Leave it on the table and don't ask any questions. And why do you want me just to bring it to you? Just don't ask any questions. And then we'd sit and we'd look out the blinds. The guy would come up and put a bunch of Milo's cheeseburgers or whatever we told him to get us down on the table. And Then he'd drive away and then we'd run out and grab it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it really sucks that there's not a Milo's in Auburn anymore. I don't know why that was ever taken away. Cause like everybody, I have so many friends from the Birmingham area who love Milo's cause it's all over the place up there. And so it really, you know, was, uh, there's a lot of things that for some reason I found out like used to be an Auburn that were really cool and are not here anymore. And then other things that are here that I'm like, who get, who even goes there? But yeah. anyway, um, is it? I mean, I'm sure it's super strange for you, considering you went to Auburn over 20 years ago. When you're back here, you're like, there's literally like, there's there were never even buildings this tall in downtown.
0: Yeah, it's so different, dude. Like when I was there, uh, we we got a uh, Outback Steakhouse in Opelika, and that was like the biggest deal. We were like, <laughs> okay, so now when our parents come into town, we at least have somewhere they could we could take them for dinner and make them buy us steaks or whatever. It was all the way in Opelika. And then they opened up a gap on College Street. Yeah. And that was a huge deal, you know, that they were putting a gap in there. And uh it, it, it's it's crazy how much stuff is there now. Now, like, you drive down the streets and, like, I'm, like, I I kind of, like, I remember this 7-Eleven being here, but I don't remember the skyscraper next to it, you know? <laughs> like, so it's, like, a lot of the old stuff mixed in with the new. I mean, now there's a Waffle House where you could walk to it right there on campus. It's, like – yep. Dude, we had to we had to find someone sober enough to drive us all the way down to 85 past Supper Club, down to the Waffle House down there. And uh you know what I did is I would always keep um a bag of shredded hash browns in my freezer. And uh and I had and I had this Waffle House hat. And so whenever we'd get drunk, everyone would end up at my apartment in Scarborough Square. And I always had my shirt off too. (laughs) <laughs> and I uh, I I'd, I'd, I'd put my Waffle House hat on, and I'd be like, I just whatever we had in the fridge, I'd be dicing up onions and tomato and scattered chunks and whatever, and I'd I'd uh, I'd make Waffle Washo- Waffle House hash browns, and just cause that's all anybody wanted, anyways. Nobody cared about any of the other stuff, you know. And uh, and we would just pig out. And then the next day, I'd wake up and wonder why I have burns all over my stomach. <laughs> I was, cooking with grease the night before.
1: Yeah, uh, I actually went to a birthday party a few years ago where one of the people one of the people who was friends with the guy whose birthday it was uh worked at Waffle House and he brought over several cartons of the official Waffle House like hash browns. And so he set up a bar in the kitchen where he even had like a little tip plate if you cuz he was I mean he 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 paid for all the ingredients and was like this is my gift, but it was obviously pretty expensive cuz he had like everything you can imagine to put on the hash browns. But it was a pretty awesome birthday party cuz I was like yeah, let me get uh, you know, let me get a double hash brown extra crispy with, you know, jalapenos and cheese. It was just so nice to to do that kind of thing uh with an official Waffle House employee who was off yeah, the clock, but
0: Yeah, that's dope. He might have sto- he, he may he might have stolen the hash browns, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I used to watch those dudes back there in the griddle working the griddle and I I I secretly um wanted to work the griddle man like i was like dude i want to go i want to be back there to to bacon and and then you know because i i was always i don't know why i've always been enamored with breakfast food like i'd go on business trips with my dad when i was a kid and uh, I think my dad wanted me to be impressed by all the business guys. And I was impressed by the waffle station. I mean, the omelet station guy. In the, in the bread. <laughs> and I'm like, you can just tell him what ingredients you want. He can custom make it to everyone. And there's, you know, a, a line. He's always the most popular guy there. And uh, I'm like, I, just, I always liked the power that the omelet chef uh, wielded. <laughs> I, I
1: remember commenting on an episode of The Merman at one point because you mentioned this. Uh, that you've never actually worked in like a restaurant, which is hilarious because you're like known as the. I mean, you're known a lot by a lot of people as like Meet Dave, or like, the, oh yeah, he's like he's the he's the comedian that's really good at barbecuing, and that, I think that's an awesome identity to have. But it's just yeah. funny that you've never actually professionally worked as no, any kind I'm, of you
0: know. I'm far from it, man. Like I, I I try to be very careful to tell people like I am not an expert. I have no formal <laughs> training in this whatsoever. I just. Really uh, passionately poured myself into learning about it a couple of years back and somehow had a little bit of a a talent for for coming up with a good product. And I've you know, I'm a I'm a people person, man, like I that's my anything I ever do. It's about relationships. It's about being humble and and coachable, which I learned from sports, you know, and uh, I was lucky enough and the podcast helped to make friends with a lot of people in the barbecue community because I wanted to learn from them and I admired them and, uh, they've been very gracious and cool about sharing secrets and, and, uh, and knowledge. And and I think that really helped my learning curve too, man, is that people have been very, very cool about, uh, not keeping, um, the, the knowledge of themselves or they're willing to share it. But yeah, it's crazy. You know what? The only time I ever formally worked in food space, uh, when I was a kid, my, my, uh, mom had this old school hot dog machine, like the ones where the hot dogs <laughs> just roll on a, like, like you know? <laughs> yeah. And so every time my grandma, my grandma would have garage sales all the time. My grandma would buy stuff from garage sales and then she'd have her own garage sales and flip everything. And, um, so I'd sit out there and I'd sell, uh, hot dogs for $2 and sodas for a dollar. And, uh, I'd, you know, I'd make 50 bucks and go buy a new toy with it, you know? <clears throat> and, uh, and, and, that, that then and then when we were doing the fundraisers at Auburn, uh, Auburn gave us the option of running. We could run our own concession stand at the football games. Oh, so nice. We, yeah. we, we, we tried it once and I was running the register. And man, when you get put in that high pressure situation of people ordering food, they're in a rush, they're they're drunk or impatient. Right. And you got to you got to do the math on the fly and it's like 325 plus 475 plus 3 bucks but you know there were like six things and it was so hard. I had such a respect for the food service after that cuz that's a concession stand. That's like the most entry level food uh, operation you could have and I was overwhelmed. I was like I never want to do this. I don't I don't want to be a waiter like, you know.
1: Yeah, I I mean, that is like you said one of the most high pressure ones because you're selling, you know, 100 hot dogs in 30 minutes, basically, as opposed to most restaurants don't do that kind of volume.
0: So, yeah,
1: I've heard you maybe talk about this a little bit, that you have a family history as well, that your dad and your uncle went to Auburn. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, my dad and my uncle uh, both grew up in Lake Wales, Florida. It's like central Florida. And uh, they they ended up at, at Auburn. My dad was in the marching band. And nice. uh, they both they both studied business. And then my family's in the car business. So I thought I thought I was going to get a business degree and and go into the car business. And that was going to be my life. And actually at Auburn, uh one of the, you know, you have to take your core classes and one of the core classes I took was Great Books. And my Great <laughs> Books professor, uh uh Dr. McKelly, uh asked me to to stay after class one day and I thought I was in trouble. And he just said, "Dave, I want you to know that like your 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 paper, your essay that you wrote, it's really good, man. It's really good." And I'm like, uh, oh, thanks, man. He's like, you're a really good writer. He's like, you might want to consider changing your major to English. And I- I'll, this is one of my biggest regrets in life um, is my response just out of ignorance, because I knew I was going into this business world, right, was, uh, well, you know, I want to make money.
1: i mean you weren't wrong honestly i i got a i got a liberal arts degree i got a theater degree and i have not made any money with it so you know here
0: i am here i am saying it to a person who one just complimented me two has devoted his life to you know exactly what i'm shooting down and uh and, and i but i was i was very touched that he took the time to invest in, in something I had done, right? Even though I probably just pulled an all-nighter last minute and wrote that paper. Uh, and so, it actually, it, it, it affected me enough that I ended up uh, minoring in creative writing. I had a really cool poetry teacher named Natasha Trethaway who's gone on to win literary awards and, and written books on poems and uh, poetry books, whatever. So, I mean, it was really influential to me that that guy sent me down that path and um, I, I just wanted to be, it gave me confidence too to, to lean into it. Cause I started writing for a student newspaper um, there on campus. And um, I started to uh, have a uh, kind of a, a voice where I could tell it was more comedic. Like I was mostly writing about sports and about campus stuff, but it was, it was all, I always try to make jokes, you know, I, always, yeah. I, I did, I, I saw that the club sports got no love, you know, playing water polo. I just knew that like, they didn't get any love from many of uh, the, the publications they probably do now. I'm sure now they they put like, you know, lacrosse and stuff and, and updates, but back then dude, no one cared. And so I was like, I want to write about all the club sports. And I go, the first one I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, explain what the clubs are like, how people can get involved. And I, I go back and read it sometimes. I still have it in my archives. And I make myself laugh. I make little jokes about, <laughs> you know, each each team, and, and it was funny. Uh, so it it, it really, it, it's, it's those days at Auburn set me on the path of what I'm doing today. That's awesome.
1: I mean, um, it's cool to hear that you were still, you know, back then, even though you kind of knew for like, oh, I'm probably going to work for my family business, uh, that you were still trying, you know, interested in creative writing, interested in trying to do. Uh, but let me ask you when, when do you think your interest in comedy started? And along with that, will you tell me some of your, uh, some of your comedy inspirations as in like, who, who did you watch as like a stand up or just like as a comedic actor as a kid that really, that you loved?
0: Well, I was a huge Saturday Night Live fan growing up. And I think a big part of it was, you know, uh, as a kid watching my parents watch the TV and crack up. You know, you you you're like, "Oh man, I would love to make somebody feel like that," you know? Like my my parents, you know, those are your heroes, and to see them, i go out to a hunting camp with my dad. And here's all these rough and tough, you know, grown men who are out there camping and, you know, drinking beer and hanging out with each other. And they had Andrew Dice Clay on a boombox and it was on repeat the whole weekend. <laughs> and, and to see and to see these dudes just cracking up on something they've already listened to four times, I was like, man, what what power, you know? And um, I remember Gallagher was a big ticket and my parents went to go watch Gallagher and they were like trying to explain it to me like, oh, he's going to squash a watermelon and we got front row seats and I'm like, I don't get it. Like, you know. And the uh, uh, I used to love the Hey Vern commercials. This is before the Ernest movies. He was a character on, uh, I don't even remember what they were selling, but he was like, Hey Vern, yeah. Hey Vern, did you hear about? This? And I used to impersonate it and make my friend, my parents' <laughs> friends laugh at dinner parties. And, uh, Saturday Night Live was a big one though, man. I, I love Dana Carvey. He was like, uh, my era. And uh, I just thought he was so funny. And uh, I've gotten to open for him since and uh, run into him once or twice. And he remembered my name. And that was just like the coolest thing ever. Um, And uh, I I went, I I chased my girlfriend from Auburn, who's now my wife, up to Charlotte, North Carolina. And she took me to this place because she knew I was a a, a Saturday Live fan. She goes, there's this place that supposedly does like live version of sketch comedy. So we went to check it out. And I was blown away. I was like, I want to do that. So I approached him after and I said, hey, man, I, I freelance write for this paper because I was I found a paper up there I was freelance writing high school sports for. And I go, I want to write sketches. And they were like, well, we just write our own sketches. So you got to just try out for the group. And I'm like, well, I never performed before. And I'm like, but I'll do it. So I tried out and I got in. And uh, and then I, I started. I just couldn't I couldn't write enough. I was so excited. I wrote a sketch every week, tried to get one in the show every week. And, um, and then, you know, you just get so much stage time that you, you, you kind of learn on the fly. Um, and then those guys kind of introduced me to some more modern, uh, standups. So like I started really getting into Brian Regan and Doug Stanhope and, um, David Cross was big at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was a lot of, a uh, lot of guys like that, that I got introduced to through them and when i moved back to miami to go into to business with my dad there was nothing like that down there so i was like i i tried stand up once or twice up in charlotte so i'm like well i guess let me just try stand up so i'd go to the open mic every wednesday i i took wednesday as my day off and i'd go do the open mic that night and uh and that's that's what set me down that road nice
1: that's a uh, uh so it sounds like it was mostly uh like really started for you after college but, but I mean I, I mean honestly it, there's very few people who even get started before they're like you know 22 to 25 like that seems like the prime time for most people to start doing stand up
0: man whenever i meet like a college kid who's already in it's it's probably a lot more common now because you have podcasts and youtube and and people know what the stand up world's like i mean dude my only exposure to seeing comedy back then was uh, when people would come to campus. So, yeah. like, Dave, Dave Chappelle came one time. Oh, um, that's awesome. Jeff Dunham. That's a big, I, I, it's a big yeah. ticket. Yeah, he he had just done Half-Baked, so it was like everyone was excited to see him. <laughs> uh, no, we had no idea he was going to turn into who he is now, you know? Yeah. Um, Jeff Dunham used to come a lot, and he that's wasn't funny. even famous yet. He was just working the college circuit, you know? And uh, I'd, I'd always try to go watch whatever comics came, because I just loved watching it. Yeah. Uh, but n- now I think people like, you know, they get exposed to it. So I think a college kid who's really into it would know, oh, I could go find an open mic at a comedy club and and start going down this path earlier. I bet I would have if I had known if there was a comedy club somewhere close by or, or a way to like take uh, a class or something, I, I would have done it in a heartbeat.
1: Did you know that Auburn technically has a comedy club now? Yeah, the Crown of Comedy, right? Yes. I've heard mixed reviews. Uh so I haven't been yet. Um maybe I will at some point, but uh it you know, it's it's cool to see that someone's trying to start doing something. Um I just, you know, haven't been yet, so I have no real opinion. I've only heard what I've heard. So
0: Well, I've heard it's it's uh mostly urban acts. Yeah. Um and then but they do mix in a lot of other stuff. I think they do like uh uh bidget wrestling or something yeah they, yeah they do
1: that but but i was gonna say they also have lately have been expanding to host like music nights for auburn students so it's so it's not just comedy i, I think honestly auburn is a really weird market to try to open something that's just a comedy club i feel like you kind of have to make it a venue you know that can host several things because there's just not yeah. enough but to their credit, I've, I, I mean, according to what I saw on their Instagram, they've had people as big as uh, DC Youngfly. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's, you know, um, he's a real big comedian and actor out of Atlanta. Um, I I know for a fact that Bert knows who he is because he talks about him all the time on like podcasts because uh, he's on a, a show called 85 South.
0: But, oh yeah, 85 yeah. South is huge.
1: Yeah. But I mean, but, but I remember back when I was in a when I was living in Atlanta, DC Youngfly would like, I would take acting classes at this studio and he would come in there to record, you know, self tape auditions and stuff. He's pretty big, especially, especially within the black community. So for him to come to Auburn was a, you know, last year the year before was a pretty big deal. And apparently Kenan Thompson from SNL has like a company that hosts like smaller events. And he's like, his company has, like, hosted events there, which I'm like, it's interesting, but it's just, I haven't, you know, again, haven't been, so just thought I'd bring it up.
0: Yeah, I don't, I mean, I always am a little weary of the the events where they, like, have a big celebrity like that on the flyer, and it's like, his people are gonna be watching the show, you know? Like, yeah.
1: it's... Uh, well, well, I mean, well, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, at first, I was like, is this real? You know, is he even... But his actual official Instagram was promoting the group that was doing it. So I was like, I guess it is real. Um, But it is kind of people respond. And this is what I hate about kind of like events, especially when comedy and all that people respond so much to like names. Some of the funniest comedians I've ever seen are people who, open for someone else, uh, and I, and I hadn't really heard of them before or someone that I'm kind of like, okay, well, yeah, you know, I'll take a chance and go to this show. And then I'm like, they're actually way funnier than the people I wanted to see originally, you know? So it, it, comedy is one of those things that I love because you can always be surprised by someone that you just don't expect to be the most hilarious person in the room.
0: Oh yeah, man. I mean, I, you know, the best example I can give you is just the fact that I've opened for Bert so much that, um, A lot of times when you open for someone that famous and like with that passion of fans, they don't care about you. They're like, Oh man, we're not here to see you bring on the dude that we're so excited to see. But Burt's fans are not like that at all. Burt's fans are so excited to be like, Oh, who did Burt bring? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And they're, they're just true comedy fans. So it's, it's been a, uh, a blessing and a wild ride getting to do so many shows with him the past few tours. Uh, And his fans have just been really cool to me.
1: So, um, I've never seen I've never seen uh, one of Burt's shows. I've never been to one of those, so I've never seen you in that. I've only seen you perform as like the headliner for the evening, you know, doing in like a co- a f- in
0: a coffee shop,
1: <laughs> which which I I will apologize on behalf of Coffee Cat. Uh, we are we're actually hosting a comedy show tomorrow night, and I'm bringing my cool. lights uh to make it a much more professional event. So I apologize about that we only uh, we, we only host comedy shows like every two to four months usually we want to do it like once a month but it's just like anyway uh for anybody that wasn't at the show we just didn't have a great lighting setup and we, and dave was able to like comedically you know get a better lighting setup on the fly uh and make jokes about it i th- I, th- I think you did a good job of like not letting it suck all the energy out of the room but uh but yeah i, I apologize that things were not very professional
0: in that way <laughs> no nah, it was fine dude i I mean, it was fine for me. I just felt bad if people couldn't see my face. And, and plus, you were there videoing. that, And I was like, man, I, hey, Peter's not going to be able to get anything if we don't <laughs> shine some some light on my face, you know? Yeah. So I, I've produced enough shows at this time that I know, like, you know, you got to have at least one decent light and the audio's got to be good. And that's all you need for a good comedy show, you know? Well, I, I guarantee we are
1: doing things to make every show from here on out better. Like, the lighting is going to be clutch this time, let me just say. But, um... Uh, uh, I wanted to bring up basically just the fact that I've only seen you or, or, you know, I've listened to your comedy albums. So like I, I've only really heard you do longer sets. And so I've never seen you like open for someone or anything like that. But from everything I've heard on in your, in your work, I think that, you know, you're a really good like addition to Burt's style of comedy, but I, I find myself as I'm kind of becoming, you know, uh, as my son gets a little bit older and as I'm, like, really into fatherhood, I'm leaning more towards stuff that's more in your style of comedy, which I would say is, like... Um, I don't know how to exactly describe it. It's, it's like, more dad humor, if that makes sense to me. If yeah. that makes sense to you. And I hope that's not insulting, because mm-hmm. people use dad joke as, like, a bad thing, but I think yeah. it's such a compliment, you know, in some ways, because my dad and my grandfather were some of the funniest people I ever knew.
0: yeah. Now, when I did my first album, one of the reviews, uh, I, when I first started reading it, I thought it was going to be a slight, and I actually ended up being really, um, uh, it was it, it was a, a huge compliment, <laughs> but he said like, uh, it, it, it was something like, da- uh, Dave's humor is um, a lot of the same stories you have, he just is much better at telling the story than you are, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like that, where it's like stuff you're going to relate to in your everyday life, you know, but... Yeah. You know, Dave just has a way of making it very, very funny, and I'm like, "All right, it's a compliment." Well, like,
1: I think a good example is your bit that you do on uh, drive-by birthday parties during the pandemic. Yeah. Like that one, and the thing is, you know, I know you. I feel like well enough at this point that I can pick out the things that are you know, what, what every comedian does, which is like, you're peppering in a little bit of bullshit, uh, you know, to, to spice up the story. So I don't think, you know, to the audience, I don't think Dave drinks and drives as much as he jokes that he does. But <laughs> but I mean, I, I think I, my point is, it's it, it, it's just cool to see kind of like this mixture of family friendly and also like, you know, stuff that goes over kids' heads and that like parents can chuckle about that like the kids don't understand, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I realized that recently. I'm like, man, I have like three bits that uh, I, I tongue and cheek say that I'm dr- I'm drinking while I'm dr- not driving while drunk, but just dry drinking while driving. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm like, maybe I maybe I should pull back on that a little bit.
1: The cops um, are gonna be like, I listened to your albums. I heard those podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> but,
0: yeah, but um, where was I gonna go with that? What, what was the what was the last thing that you said? You you said. Um,
1: I think I'm just saying it's cool to see a mixture of like what I would consider, like you seem like the kind of comic that if you were performing and there's a bunch of, in in like a space where there's a bunch of kids or teenagers, you'd probably dial back some of the, you know, some of the, I I would say the only dirty thing about your comedy really is the cursing, but it's not, it's not too much ever.
0: Yeah. So what, what, you know, and in my everyday life, don't get me wrong, dude, I, I laugh at a good sex story as much as the next guy and i certainly have had some that i've told on stage but for whatever reason my brain just doesn't go there when i'm writing you know um but i learned this trick uh when i was working a cruise ship because um, you had to do uh, a theater show w- once during the week where kids were in the audience right but you know if you tailor your material to make it too kid friendly then it's not funny anymore like 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 saying fuck in the right place during a joke, it, it gives it emphasis. Now, if you say fuck 72 times, it's not gonna be it's gonna be more like brash, you know, it's, it's gonna be grating. But when you pick your spot where you drop the the fuck, it makes it funny, right? So you lose that when you just take all the cursing out of a of a of a story, and we're adults for the most part. So I had this thing where I would when I did this show with the kids over there, I say, listen. I'm not gonna change any of my material. I go, the kids aren't listening to the context, anyways. They're just here. I go, but what I'm gonna do is anywhere I would normally say a cuss word, I'm gonna say the word poop so that (laughs) it has the same rhythm and and but you you know, but it's it's kid friendly. And the kids hear me say that and they just start laughing like he said poop. And so now the kids are listening to the show because they every time I'd say like, and then I was like, holy poop, like that, you know, and the (laughs) place die laughing, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, all right. I figured out a way to not really change the emphasis of the words and the rhythm of the words, but to technically make it kid friendly. And it was a way to get the kids involved in the show and they were laughing at lines, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think that it's just, uh, some of the most skillful comedians really are people that can play to any audience, whether you know they're young or old, you know, no matter what race or ethnicity or background they come from, or you know, or or gender. It's just, you should be able to make everybody laugh in some way. Yeah. And and obviously, there's people who are dirty that are hilarious, but um, where was I going with that? Uh, I don't know.
0: It's it's not intentional, by the way. Like I have. Yeah. I I I do not care if I'm a clean comic or a dirty comic or talk about stuff that relates to whoever it's just literally, it's what comes out of me, you know? So it's not intentional. If, if something happens tomorrow, like I, you know, I had a story about my kids when they were younger, would walk walked in on my wife and I having sex (laughs) one time. So, I mean, if something funny happens, like I'm, I'm like going to put it in the act, you know? Um, It's just that for whatever reason, most of my writing just happens to gravitate towards stuff that's on the cleaner side. Well, I think that kind of makes me
1: transition into like,
0: I hope I- I'm going to
1: pay you what I think is a compliment and I hope you take it that way. Um, <laughs> I think that, okay, so I-, I only literally know a couple people who I would, I would put in this category and I'm going to put you in this category. Um, I think that you are a cool Christian and here's, here's why I say that. So like, what's really cool to me was seeing you perform live and seeing you do like a full set or, you know, you do this on your comedy albums too. You will tell stories about going to church and or about, like,, um, you know, just something involving that the fact that you are a christian. but then, but then you don't you, but you also pepper in curse words. You pepper in like funny, you know, off- color jokes and and like, and you, in general, just don't seem like a judgmental person at all. And the reason I'm saying all this, I know you live in a place now that is very different from where I live in terms of like, Here, it's literally every day that I'm walking like on campus or something at Auburn and there's some religious nut who's just like, you're all going to hell. Even when I was a little kid, I remember going to an Auburn football game and a guy with a sign with all these Bible verses on it that was like, you know, 15 feet tall was literally saying to me as like a five-year-old, like you're going to hell for going to this Auburn game because you're worshiping false idols. So I think here's my point. I am, I'm a very, like, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, Christian anymore. I was when I was younger. And and I think a lot of it was growing up in the South and having people kind of really shove their beliefs down your throats. I love meeting people like you, who are able to be Christian and then not be judgmental, not, you know, you're, you're representing Christians well is my compliment. So I hope you take that that way.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I feel you like- You know I'd i to have a good time, you know? Yeah, I, I love drinking beers and uh, making mistakes, man. Uh, <laughs> I I uh, I'm 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 not a Christian comic. Like my comedy doesn't revolve around you know the label of being a Christian. You know, because when you say you're a Christian comic, then most of the comedy is specific towards that yeah. audience, right? I'm just a comic who happens to be Christian. You know, um, and when i pepper stuff in like you said it's just because that's an actual detail from my life that's true you know like uh if if something happened and 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 i'm bringing it up that you know that the the way we know that kid is from church and unless it helps the joke to change it to something different then i might as well just keep the true detail in there and details are what makes stories good uh, it's when you're like oh okay uh, that that really happened because it's not just saying a oh, kid or someone real general you know um, so yeah, I mean it's once again, I don't think it's intentional. It's just me being um open and, and honest and and uh in whatever that particular bit is. Uh I totally remember those concourse preachers uh, on campus. Uh there was this one guy, I remember I was sitting and listening to him, just like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And he uh he he goes, <laughs> I remember his line, he goes, I used to be like you, I was a sinner, I attended this university. I would go to parties and I would sit in the corner of the room and I would wait for a girl to light up a cigarette because I figured if she'd put that in her mouth, maybe she'd put something else in her mouth. And I look at my buddy and I'm like, I think I'm (laughs) learning from this guy. (laughs) I don't think, I think he doesn't realize he's teaching us the wrong stuff. But, you know, it's like, look, man, you, you can, you can, believe in God and go to church and call yourself a Christian doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're, um, you know, if, if anything, it's, it's more of a reason to, uh, to be, a, to be a Christian and to try to learn from other people and to just, um, uh, ha- have a belief in something bigger than you. Um, if we were perfect that we wouldn't need uh, that to lean on, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I'm not, a, I, I look, I love drinking beers and wrestling my forty-year-old <laughs> friends on tour buses, and uh, you know, talking like an adult. I mean, I I, just, I can't. I it's who I am. I I was raised hearing words, you know, adult words. Like I can't just now be like, bad words don't exist. You know. Yeah. It's just if that's the worst thing we do in our life, then we're doing okay.
1: Yeah, um, I've had some run-ins with the uh, with the people on campus before because they get. Uh, I like to walk on campus, and uh, like with you know, take my son on walks and everything in the stroller, just walk him around. And they re- they really can ruin the peaceful, calm nature of a campus like Auburn. Where if they if they aren't out there, you know, and it's not a game day, it's really just like a great place to just chill. You know, mm-hmm. like there's really not a lot going on. But um, it's real funny, real real quick. Uh, yesterday I was walking, uh, and right. Caddy corner to where tumors drugs is in downtown uh you know the little things that you push on like a uh, street poles to like cross the street like the button yeah. and everything right next to where you have to push the buttons this guy set up these three little like easels with like information it was like a little you know like a poster board kind of thing and it said the uh it said something about like why the moon landing was fake and uh hmm. And this guy was so into it that like, like I was crossing the street at one point, I was just waiting there, and anybody who was just like waiting there, he would just go, it's fake, it's fake, it's fake ladies, it's fake. And, and, And I was just like, I just want to get away from this guy. It, and, and I guess part of that is just because Auburn is a place that it's a university in an area that there's not a lot else going on really. So like people just think, well, that's where if I want to get my weirdo message out, I'll just go, you know, spew it on campus. I don't know. Well, it's, it's the deep South, man.
0: Like there's yeah. going to be, there's going to be some uh, strong uh, religious uh, opinions um, in that in the area, you know, just comes with the territory.
1: You've lived in a lot of different places in terms of like, very culturally different. Like you grew up in Miami, uh, yeah. which uh, this is only me just kind of messing with you because I'm going to join Forrest and everybody from the merman with messing with you that it's hilarious to me that your Spanish is not like perfect if you grew up in Miami.
0: Um, but <laughs> well, you know, ironically, when I was in high school Spanish in Miami, I was like, gracias, Una And people were like, dude, you're a gringo, bro. You're Spanish too. And then I went up to Auburn and I had to take Spanish too uh, for at least one Spanish credit. And I was like, gracias. And everyone's like, he's a whiz kid. He already speaks Spanish. <laughs> like, you know, I was like the best Spanish speaker in my class at Auburn.
1: That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, wh- I mean, um, I went to Opelika High, and uh, one of our Spanish teachers was a coach, like a football coach, who had about like that kind of accent, like a Southern accent, while he was teaching Spanish. Um, but uh, where was I going with that? Uh, it's making fun of you for, t- for not being able to speak Spanish for some reason. I'm trying to think. Yeah,
0: with where... the like Forrest does at the, <sighs> the burmend.
1: <laughs> Which, okay, hey, uh, I was, you know, a quick, you know, weird segue, but compliment. I, I've really been enjoying the Merman. I think that you and uh, Forrest are a good, like, you guys are a good juxtaposition of, like, personalities, because, I, like, I, I honestly wasn't super familiar with him, uh you know, before before that. And um, I like just, like, his curmudgeonly attitude towards everything. Yeah. And then you're, you're just trying to have fun the whole time. And he's just, like, you know, uh, it, it's basically, like, you're the... I guess he's the straight guy and you're the wacky one kind of, but but I, I really enjoy it. Cause I feel like, I feel like I see you in your proper element as like who you really are.
0: Yeah. It's funny, man. Cause Forrest and I met, we, uh, we both did the first open mic I did at the Miami improv was also, I'd done comedy, but it was my first real like dive into all right. I live in Miami. Now I'm going to start getting into the comedy scene here. It was his first open mic ever. So he and I were kind of like, you know, uh, you know, in that same like class of South Florida comedians coming up and and, um, and f- as different as we are, we just hit it off and we've always stayed friends and our careers have actually taken taken pretty similar paths over the years. And I, I don't get to talk to him as much as I like, but every time I do catch up with him and talk to him he always makes me laugh because he's always like, he's like, did you see this? This is so stupid. And then I just try to get him like razzled up. You know, I just try to uh, get, I I just always try to like needle him with, with my, like, and so I was like, we should do a podcast together. And I go, even if nobody ever listens to it, I'm like, it'll be a way that we can keep in better touch and just make sure. And luckily people have liked it and people are listening to it and we're growing our, our listenership. But at the same time, I just like getting to talk to Forrest every week, you know? <laughs> and and uh and he just makes me so happy when I when I when I say something and I and he knows that I'm fucking around, but he can't let it go. He's gonna like, hey, say out loud that you're kidding. Say out loud that you're kidding. And I'm like, Well, I mean, maybe I'm not. He's like, ah, uh, you better, you know? It yeah. just like things bother him and he can't he can't let it go. <laughs> and that's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, um. Well, I mean, like, I like that y'all are also, um, like you make it informational as well. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I probably would normally would not research or know that much about. I mean, I've learned a bunch about, um, uh, things like manatees from Forrest <laughs> just kind of talking about his past, you know, his past
0: jobs. Well, now you could take anything as anything Forrest says about manatees, you could take as factual. But anything else you learn on the podcast, you might want to double check. This. <laughs> Don't count on us to having accurate uh, research done.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think I think my favorite bit so far, and this is something that, y'all, that just kind of happened to y'all, is uh, is Richard from Australia. You know, like <laughs> I mean, like every time that he's on, he's like, "Hi oh, guys, it's Richard from Australia." I'm just yeah. like,
0: "All right, it's gonna be golden." <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's he's a character. He's he's in the merman world now. Him and Tyler from Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> two of them, man. They message me like every day, and I'm like, guys, you're like, I'm Tyler. really happy that oh, like, you're I, supporting. I love you, but yeah. so uh, the the guy Tyler, who called for people who don't know, all this, by we have a a, a hotline you could call in and leave messages. And these two guys were the the first two guys who they just get they would get drunk and called like every week. And so now they're just regulars; they call all the time, and uh, we 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 know a little bit about them now. One of them lives in Australia. <laughs> yeah it kind of makes you
1: like oh should we should we you know have it's it's one of those things where it's like you let them on once and now they're like we're gonna we're gonna be on every episode
0: <laughs> we're just glad someone likes us that much that they would call
1: <laughs> yeah and i was i was enjoying keeping up with the saga of uh will richard get his get his meat rub his barbecue rub
0: yeah, you got it <laughs> he got it i sell my own all-purpose seasoning uh that you could put on barbecue but you could also if you're not in barbecue you just put it on anything uh eggs or um macaroni and cheese or chicken or steak or whatever and so he bought some off my website but shipping to australia is really you know rough so i uh i finally shipped it out to him and he he received it this past week
1: nice that's awesome (laughs) um we're, we're definitely getting closer towards the end of our, uh, of the podcast and everything. But, uh, I just kind of wanted to, this is something I wanted to bring up, um, and just kind of get your opinion on, or not opinion, but like, you know, see, see what you think of this. So like I mentioned before, my grandfather, uh, was one of, uh, he's one of the funniest people I ever knew. And, um, you know, the you know, those people, uh, like from, I think there's a lot in the South. Who they're not trying, it's like they're trying to be funny, but they're never gonna be, they're not trying to be a comedian. But at the same time, they say the funniest shit you've ever heard. And you're like, if you, someone else telling the story is almost like the, f- the only way you could even tell it. But basically, uh, my grandfather was the biggest Auburn fan I've ever met. He would go to every single game, no matter how bad we were doing. And um, he would sometimes talk about uh, uh, how much he hated Alabama. And uh, that's a pretty hot topic for people in Alabama, in case anyone's sure. watching who doesn't know. It's Auburn fans hate Alabama fans, Alabama fans hate Auburn fans, and we both have things to say about each other. And no matter what, there will always be that rivalry. Well, my grandfather would be facetious sometimes, and he'd be like, I don't care if Alabama uh, you know, is playing my worst enemy. When you know in in a game, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheer for my worst enemy. And what and and something he said in the mid 2000s that was very relevant at the time is he goes, I don't care if Alabama is playing Al Qaeda, I'm pulling for Al Qaeda. <laughs> and I remember just being like, that in a nutshell is Auburn fans. He was and he was an old conservative dude that you know was at the time was very much so like, nah, we got to defeat Al Qaeda. But he was just like. That's how much I hate Alabama.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people would say Alabama is Al-Qaeda.
1: <laughs> but then he also had, he would come up with some crazy stuff. that He he was also, since he was a pretty uh, conservative guy, he didn't like to curse. Uh, so he would say things at games that cracked me up because they didn't have any cuss words in them. <laughs> like, like one yeah, time.
0: He'd be, he'd be like, holy smokes, we got to <laughs> get this guy. <laughs> well, no, but one time
1: he yells out, uh there was a, a pass that uh that Auburn tried to make and and the ref ruled it or it, it was ruled incomplete. Uh even though we even though the Auburn fans thought we got it and my my grandfather yells out, "If that was an incomplete pass, then you're a complete
0: nut." <laughs> and I was you're like, like, "Grandpa, tone it down." Yeah,
1: right. Everyone in the faculty section was like, "Whoa, hold on now. <laughs>
0: hey, there's kids here."
1: But anyway, he was one of those people that like, you know, uh just uh well one of the biggest Auburn fans and ironically one of the only people in my family that didn't actually go to Auburn. So uh that's kind of funny. But anyway, just thought I would tell those little anecdotes to another Auburn person who enjoys a good joke about Alabama and all that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, man, sports, that's what's awesome about sports, is it's how we connect with different generations. Um, you know, uh my grandpa uh wasn't the hugest sports fan in the world, but he liked watching the Dolphins games and uh, he'd call me and and talk to me about, hey, what, Davey. What do you think the Dolphins are gonna do today? You know, and I'd be like, um, I'm, I don't, I, I don't know, Grandpa. I think they're probably probably not gonna uh, do. It was like one one season the Dolphins only won one game, and yeah. I talked to my grandpa more than ever because he'd call me every week and he'd be like, Oh, are they gonna do it this week? I'm like, I don't know, Grandpa. So it's just you know, <laughs> that team's long gone from our memory banks, but the fact that my grandpa called me every week, you know, had an excuse to call me. Uh, they, that's, that's what sports is about, man. It's that, that connection. He'd, I, I, I wish I still had this voicemail, but one time my grandpa called me up and he was like, Hey, Dave. He, my grandpa would sing and hum everything. And he was like, Hey Davey, it's your grandpa <laughs> getting ready to watch the Dolphins game. Call me back. <laughs> right. And he set his phone down He he didn't hang it up. So I just had this like three minute voicemail of him like watching the game going. Bum, 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 bum. Ah, boom <laughs> terrible. Nancy, where's my scotch? Like, you know, <laughs> and I, I'm like, I wish I. it was such a perfect soundbite of who my grandpa is. Um, yeah. I wish I still had that recording.
1: <laughs> have you ever had a, uh, do you have any cool stories? And it's fine if you don't uh, being somewhere, not anywhere close to Alabama and you're wearing something Auburn related, or you see someone in something Auburn related and just having a war eagle moment, I guess.
0: Oh yeah, totally, man. I mean, you know, n- not a specific one off the top of my head, but that's one of the coolest things. I always try to wear some sort of Auburn gear when I travel because you know how it is, man, You, you no matter where you're at, somebody's going to walk by and go, war eagle, war eagle, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up a big University of Miami fan because, uh, you know, we just grew in the area and my, my uncle and my dad are boosters and whatever. Um, so, you know, I I, I love the U- University of Miami just as much, but it's not the same. People don't come over to you and go like, go Canes with yeah. Auburn, man. They'll walk by, they'll go out of their way to come over and be like, War Eagle, you know? Yeah. Um. I'm sure I'll think of a good one uh, once we hang up, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I it's, mean it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to beat uh Tim Cook.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the closest thing I have is just a story from my dad where back in like 2003, I remember my family was on vacation uh in Seattle. We were in Seattle and we were at the top of the Space Needle. And um my dad saw a guy wearing a hat from far away or like a shirt, you know, that was like an Auburn shirt. And uh and he started walking over there, and then as he walked over there, he realized that It was one of his good friends that he went to high school at Auburn High with and Auburn University with. So it was like crazy that he was like, I didn't even know you lived here. And I'm like, you know, because that guy lived there apparently. So it was weird that that happens.
0: Well, I'll tell you this. I was at the uh, most recent Super Bowl. um, Yeah. And my buddy and I had VIP passes uh, to go to this like uh, tailgate before. And so I was wearing this exact hat. And uh, we just started talking to these drunk people next to us just randomly, right? We're just making chit-chat. And the guy goes, is that an Auburn hat? I go, yeah. And he's like, uh, he's like, War Eagle. I'm like, oh, War Eagle. And so he's like, I uh, actually, I taught, he goes, I taught at Auburn. And I go, no way. And he's like, yeah, I taught business something or other, right? And I'm like, what years?" So we went through the whole thing. And I'm like, I don't remember him specifically, but he's like, if that was your major and those are the years that were there, he's like, you were in my class. And I was like, crazy. Are you serious? Yeah. He's like, oh, for sure. He's like, you would have definitely been in my class. And I'm like, I believe you. I don't, I only remember like two classes that I took yeah. in business, but <laughs> when I was at Auburn, so I was a human resource, uh, major. And for whatever reason, all of the major was mostly women. And so I was one of the few dudes. And once you get into the actual major classes, it was um, very uh, uh, gr- group work oriented. So you'd have to usually do the like, group work all year long, and then you'd present at the end of the semester. And all these girls, for whatever reason, were like, they didn't want to present. They were like shy, right? So I, but they're great note takers. They were very smart, right? And so I was like, hey, if you guys do all the, the work, I'll give a hell of a presentation at the end of the semester. <laughs> and they they were always like, "Deal," you know? Yeah. So, so that was my thing, man. That was my my foray into uh public speaking. Was at the end of the year, they would fill me in on everything I had to present. I'd go up there and have some sort of anecdote and some sort of little jokes written in there and I'd go up and I'd give them a and it looked like I was the one who did all the work and I didn't do anything till the last week. <laughs> <laughs> So my dad
1: actually uh, teaches in the business department at Auburn these days, uh, full time, like year round. And um, it's really kind of funny seeing the perspective from a professor. He comes to me all the time and is like, you won't believe this crazy thing that someone said on Rate My Professor or on like this, you know, evaluation. Or It's, uh, it's funny to get the perspective of like what the professors are dealing with because it's, you know, it's some people that are just ridiculous with like how they want him to bend over backwards to help him. And it's just, I guess they're shooting their shot, you know?
0: Yeah, dude. Well, I, man, I learned it's obviously a different world now. I mean, right, rate My professor, we definitely did not have that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but what you learn, like going from high school to college is like your college classes are like, there's like 400 people in your class sometimes. Right. Yeah. So you're just, you're just a, 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 a name. Like they don't know you. Like, you know, there's no interpersonal relationship. So those office hours exist. Pop into your professor's office hours and introduce yourself. Make up a reason. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then now he actually knows the human being behind that name. And if you need something in the future, you're you're more likely to get it as an actual person instead of just somebody who's another, you know, serial number.
1: Have your kids shown any interest in going to Auburn? (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, they're Auburn fans because of me and and my mom, and my wife. Um, I think my older son will want to go play uh sports somewhere, and I don't know if Auburn would be the best landing spot for him for you know the path he and dude, he's gonna have the opportunity to go anywhere he wants. I think because he's got just incredible grades, so I wouldn't even be surprised if he ended up at like Ivy League or somewhere really. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, r- really, you know, you know uh, like that. Um, but my younger son, I could see really enjoying going to Auburn. Um, he's really hands-on. He's got an engineer's brain. Um, you know, the Auburn's got a great engineering school. He's, I think my son, I think he would like the, the big school atmosphere. Um, so yeah, maybe my, maybe my second son, um, I mean, I I don't care. They can go anywhere except for Florida or, uh, Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's Maybe kinda... Georgia too. I can I can't wear a Georgia shirt either, you know?
1: You know, it's funny because I used to be more annoyed with Georgia fans, and then I lived in Atlanta for four years, and I kind of actually got to like them. I think I think part of it is this. Um it's not even really has me it doesn't have anything to do with the school or the football team, but I I have spent uh, time in Athens, and compared to Auburn, it actually kind of blows my mind with how like you know, I was more into creative stuff and art and then the arts and all that, that I ended up going to Auburn or staying in Alabama because Athens is such a cool town for like, if you're into music or just kind of like they have, they have an alternative scene that Auburn doesn't have like, and it's pretty flourishing.
0: Yeah. No, it's a cool town, man. We played a water polo tournament there one time. I think the statue of limitations is up. I can talk about this, but there was this, (laughs) there was this Mexican restaurant that had this like seven foot like uh Mexican caricature um <laughs> like outside their restaurant. Yeah. And we kept driving by going, dude, that thing's pretty cool. And in the middle of the night we went over and uh my my buddy always had a tool set in his car and we we stole it <laughs> and, and so we wake up the next morning and we have this thing in our hotel room we're like what did we do we are like, well, we own it now so we drove it back to auburn and that thing i don't know where it is today but that thing got passed around and it was always in someone's house you know that's funny <laughs> that's funny um just a, out of curiosity because
1: this is like a, an area that i hung out in an auburn a lot Did you ever, because I know that these places existed when you were in school, did you ever go to parties at either Shady Glen or Ford Court? Did those ring a bell?
0: Shady Glen sounds familiar. I don't know what Ford Court is. We had the Cloisters, we had Scarborough Square. And I have a joke about living in apartment 855F. And I, I couldn't remember if I made that up to fit the joke or if that was and so I drove by when I was just there and sure enough, I it was 855F was my apartment number. I go, Oh, that was that was a real thing.
1: That's funny. Uh I only bring it up because like when I was at Auburn, I lived at Shady Glen, and it was a uh it was an apartment complex that a lot of musicians and like, you know, kind of creative people lived, where we would throw pretty big parties a couple times a year where it was like, you know, there's like five bands on the lineup and we have like two or three different townhouse apartments that are set up to where it's like one band's playing over here and the next one plays right after him over here. So it was like, uh, but I, but I know that that apartment complex has been there since like the seventies. And apparently that used to be kind of like a party spot. So i was just curious. Cause like, you know, Shady,
0: uh, Shady sounds not familiar, but I don't remember Ford Court.
1: Yeah. Uh, Ford Court was right next to Shady Glen, but now there's a huge apartment complex there called the, St- uh, the standard uh, on, on the corner of, uh, Glenn and gay street. But, um, yeah. Uh, so like, tell me what was like a fun, you know, Saturday night in Auburn for you back when, you know, back when you were in school though, like, and, 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 and like be specific with like names of places. If you remember just because it, it's fun for me to like walk down memory lane of like what things used to be like. Cause honestly, it sounds like you went to Auburn during a pretty awesome time. I hear the nineties was a really, it was more quaint. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, we we didn't have all the, the decisions to make that you guys do. There was like, you know, three or four main bars where it's like, which one are we going to do tonight, you know? Um, well, first of all, I threw great parties. Uh, <laughs> because I was a very social person, and I had everybody's phone number. So if I knew we were throwing a party, I was not going to half-ass it. I wanted people there. So I would take time. I'd sit down, and I would call. I'd go down the line. I'd tell them, hey. Party tonight, party tonight. We're have great music. Yep, I got all my CDs out. Yep, oh, I got a keg, scored a keg, and uh, yeah, late night hash browns, you know. And and uh, I I'd always have a ton of people show up to parties. Um, but we would go, we would go to the the main bars there. You know, the the it was called Neons back then. Uh, now it's Sky Bar or whatever. And side note, after the comedy show last month, when I saw you. Uh, we went with the owner over to the Southern. Is that what it's called? Uh, Southeastern. Southeastern. The new spot, they had, yeah. They had a DJ and the place was packed. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the most popular bar in town. I know that's where we were going. And so the owner took us up top and we had a little section and we are getting free drinks and having a blast. The other alumni, my friends were there, whatever. And when we were in our little thing, it was really fun. But when I had to walk through the crowd to go to the bathroom, I'm not exaggerating or making this up. Multiple students looked over at me and went, What are you doing here? <laughs> you know, out like, loud. How yeah, they, yeah, they were like, How old are you? <laughs> and, so, and I was like, Dude, I'm getting tired. Like, I get it. I'm not supposed to be here. Me and my buddies aren't supposed to be here, but we're here, you know. But they just kept going, How old are you? So then every time I had to go to the bathroom, I started pretending like I was a dad looking for their daughter. I was just like, I was just <laughs> going through it. I was going, Michelle.
1: <laughs> Michelle, where are you
0: you know yeah
1: well i mean so, um it, it's uh i guess it's difficult to like still want to have a good time as you i mean because i'm like i said i'm 29 i already feel weird like i like i've been to like you know a house show that one of my friends his band was playing at and i was like i feel so strange that there are people who are like even under 21 here and i'm like i i just feel not that there's anything bad going on but it's just like it's just weird, you know, yeah. that you're like socializing and hanging out with people that you're just like, I was, you know, starting college when you were like seven or so, you know, that, that kind of thing.
0: Well, so the best, the best was we had a house, uh, and now there's a parking garage there, but we had a house just off gay street and, um, there was a apartment complexes around there, but there wasn't many houses that close. So it was literally the main street uh, stretch of bars on College Street if it was here we were like one street and then cut through a parking lot and you're at our house yeah. so a lot of people a lot of people would park we had a big we had a big yard and we also had an empty bank parking lot attached to our, so at night the bar, bank parking lot was empty so people would always park at our house to then walk out and go to the bars gotcha. we didn't lock we didn't lock our doors a single day the whole time we lived there <laughs> and we had three couches in our living room we had, um, you know, two giant TVs. We had a ping pong table, a foosball table, darts. Um, we always had a keg on ice and we had five guys living there. There was five bedrooms, right? And it yeah. was an old house, but it was nice. It was just laid out great. Right. And so we called it the polo hut and we had a big mural on the wall. There's a pizza hut emblem, but it said polo. <laughs> hut. And, and, uh, it was, it was a really fun house, man. And Everyone knew that if they were too drunk to get home or one of their buddies was, our door was unlocked and we had plenty of couches. So there was many mornings I would wake up and just have a stranger or someone I barely knew sleeping on the couch and I'm just like, "Hey man, <laughs> want me want me to make you some eggs?" They're like, "That'd be great," you know. And we had a we, we had a lot of parties, you know, even if we went out to the bars, the after party would be back at the house. There's always people back. There's always people around, which I love. I hate being alone. I, I don't mind being alone. Like when I go travel, by the way, I don't like to be lonely. So I'm fine. Even if it's like I'm by myself, as I'm if I'm in an airport and there's people around me, I'm fine. So being in that atmosphere where there was never not somebody to hang out with, uh, I was just in my element, you know? Yeah. And we, we would uh, throw so many parties there. And... There was uh, the guy I referenced earlier, Charlie Watley, right? He we he he owned half. He was an old school Auburn guy, a real Southern gentleman. Uh, owned half of the town, the real estate in town, and he would play water polo with us. He, he'd come. He'd, he would liked to swim to keep in shape, and you know he 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 was a f- like like part of the family, dude, right? Yeah. So he'd we'd be like party. Or we'd be like Charlie, we're having a party on Saturday. Come by. Well, Dave, what time's your party at? I'm like, I don't know. People start showing up probably around 8 or 9 o'clock, and we'll go till everyone's passed out. He's like, all right, I'll be there. I'm going to see you about 2. And I go, all right, Charlie. <laughs> so Charlie would show up at 2 o'clock, and he'd have a ham. He'd put a ham in our oven, and he'd put it on a uh, slow, slow, uh, t- uh, a low temperature. He'd be like, I'll see you tonight for the party, guys. We're like, all right. Charlie would leave. He'd come back at 8 o'clock for the party, right? He'd pull his ham out and let it rest on the cabinet. He'd put biscuits in. <laughs> so at about at about at about 10 o'clock he pulled the brisket the biscuits out he'd then make he'd assemble uh biscuits ham and cheese Ooh. and he'd put and he'd put them back in the in the uh oven so they melt melt up real good so now at about 10 30 11 o'clock all the college kids are getting pretty drunk he'd walk around with his apron and he'd be like ham biscuit ham biscuits biscuits. (laughs) and everyone just eat these ham biscuits like they knew if i was throwing a party charlie was gonna have ham biscuits and he probably saved some lives by putting food in people's bellies you know uh and so i had this i had this dude who played water polo for tennessee called me uh you know uh maybe a year ago hadn't talked to this dude in probably a decade and he goes dave i gotta ask you something i go what he's like when we used to party in college was there a guy who used to make us ham biscuits or was that just like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or did I just make that up in my head? <laughs> like, like, nah, that's a real guy. He still lives there. I still hang out with him every time I go back to Auburn. So, that's funny. Just so many cool people like that, man, that just made, I think, a lot of people go to college and party, but I think I had a really unique experience. You know, I was kind of surprised when, um, when
1: I found out that, like, when I first kind of, like, started to watch you on podcasts, watch your comedy and all that, and, you know, found out you were at Auburn, I was surprised... To find, for some reason, I guess based on part of your personality or something, that you were not in a fraternity while you were at Auburn. But I I guess you could say that the water polo team was kind of a fraternity in its own way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I was open to it. I I didn't really know what a fraternity was. Yeah. Um, And then I got up there and I was like, oh, I should check that out. And then I started hanging out with the water polo guys. And I'm like, ah, these are my guys. This is who I'm going to hang out with, you know. Now, so when I would go back to to Miami for, for summer... And Auburn was on the quarter system back then. So all my friends would go back to their schools and Auburn didn't start for another like two weeks. So I yeah. was just home by myself. So I had a couple friends who went to university of Miami. So I'd go up a party with them and rush was always the first week. Right. So I rushed, uh, fraternities at, at university of Miami, my freshman and sophomore year. <laughs> That's funny. And, and I would just make up fake names and they'd be like, yo, <laughs> let me, Yo, hey, let me introduce you to this girl, and here's some, here's a free beer, dude. Because they would try to recruit you. That was the week you wanted to go to the parties, right? Yeah. And then the second week, they'd call you up, and they'd be like, hey, man, uh, we really liked hanging out with you, like, meeting you. We want you to come rush uh, next week's Hell Week. And then I'm like, oh, I already flunked out of school. Like, you know, I'd make some story <laughs> up. You know, um, uh...
1: It, uh, I actually was in a fraternity for three years when I was in school at the first school I went to, and I'm not the type of person to be in a fraternity, but it all depends on the school you go to and the group of people you meet because like there are people uh, who I've met that were in the same fraternity as my dad at Auburn. My dad was in beta theta pi, uh, which now is kicked off campus because of hazing and partying. But it all depends on like the school and when you went there. Cause when my dad was in beta, they were, according to him, the nerds that had the best GPA on campus, and like, and and then now they're now they're the party school, you know, or party frat.
0: Yeah. Well, I had beta guys running errands for me, as I told you already. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to go look, man. Growing up in Miami, like we we'd go out on boats and stuff like that, but there was like. At Auburn, we'd go out in, uh, in into the woods and like Chihuahua Park, and we'd we'd sneak in the back because we yeah. closed the night. We'd have a a, a backpack full of uh, box wine, or we'd go out. <laughs> to, there, 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 there was a couple of um, uh, there was a couple of old abandoned fire towers that yeah. we knew about. You go out there, so like stuff like country stuff like that, I was not used to. Like that was new to me, you know. Yeah. Um. So that was always fun, and then sneaking booze into the football games was o- always <laughs> an adventure as well man i mean we we went through phases of like what we get away with and then they catch us you know like so, yeah you know we 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 emptied saline solution bottles for like our contact lenses and filled that and then we got a syringe and we started injecting fruit and we're like oh i'm diabetic i have to bring fruit in with me you know and and then i i got to the point where i just got really good at hiding a bag in my uh in my pants i'd wear this real baggy <laughs> like orange pants and then you know, you just kind of like walk a certain way. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, that was always an ongoing battle.
1: This is a, a little ADD, which I feel like is a lot of this podcast. So I apologize. I'm kind of, uh, I just want to mention one thing and then we can, uh, sign off. One of my favorite, I don't know why this one just like tickles my funny bone. Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> stories that you've told, I, I don't know if you do this as a stand up bit, but I know, I think you've talked about it on the, on the merman. Um, your story about when you—I think you were at a a Miami game and you were holding a sign that said you can't spell Penn State without P E N S. Oh boy! Because <laughs> I don't know why. Like when I, when I when you told that story, I was like, that's one of the funnier stories I've heard you
0: tell. You know. I I've told it on stage just as one off. I told it at Penn State actually. Um, <laughs> that's great. Uh, um yeah that was the only time my parents have ever visibly been um embarrassed by me uh, <laughs> but but i was i was in i was in miami i can't remember i mean i think i was still in school but uh i was in miami and and miami was playing penn state Penn state was pretty good at the time Miami was having some down years and uh we 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 painted our face and painted our bodies and we started tailgating at like eight a m for like a noon game and uh yeah, I learned that you should not drink, then make your sign. You should make your sign when you're at home. Because <laughs> I was trying to come up with something to write on the sign, and I don't know why I thought that was so funny, but I said you can't spell penis without P-E-N, and then in like the little letters I finished Penn State or whatever, you know? Yeah. In, in, in my brain, I was Shakespeare. But, <laughs> but now you look back at it and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about, you know? And so... As we're going into the stadium, it started raining. So now we just looked really sad, with like our 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 paint yeah. running everywhere and gross, <laughs> and and my sign was all running. And I'm like, "Well, oh man, this fan base like the rain really got them negged out." I got to go. I got to go rally the troops. So I went around <laughs> the whole stadium and in the front of every section. I was like. Penis, penis. <laughs> and, and people were dying laughing and pointing at me. And I was just going section to section. And I finally went to the one section and I see people pointing at me. I look up and I'm like, mom and dad. <laughs> and they were some friends and I went running up to give them a hug. And my mom's like, go away. And I'm like, I want to say hi to, to Joanna Stewart now. And she's like, go away. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Why don't they want to hang out with me? And uh, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, I went back. There was this family sitting behind me, and I had my two friends with me. And they were both like uh, my my friends, Kristen and Jonavi, And they were both like passed out on my shoulders. And (laughs) and we're just sitting there, just drunk messes, man. And then this lady, like she took her kids and went and moved away from us. (laughs)
1: That's when you know it's bad. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the better signs and I'll say this and then we'll, uh, wrap things up. One of the better signs I've seen, uh, I love a hilarious sign like that at like a football game. It like, but I don't know if you can really, it's mostly at tailgates now, but I saw one, you might not remember this and, uh, I'll, I'll edit it in. So you see the photo I'm talking about. Do you remember the malfunction that happened on, uh, iPhones back in like Twenty. It, it was during the the last Iron Bowl that we won, I believe, which was like 2019 or something like that. There was a malfunction in in the in the messaging app where anytime you tried to type just like the word I, like capital I, like like I love sushi or something like that, it would be as like these weird characters. the, the just the word I was like messed up, and I and and, and oh, yeah. I I saw this awesome sign where someone wrote those characters and then it said hate Bama and it was like right (laughs) when that was like a big thing and I was like I love a good comedian that like they could have wrote I hate Bama or something but they made it into something hilarious you know
0: dude so many dude I'm telling you that's why the world's such an interesting place is that there's so many outlets for creativity and for smart jokes that That's why you get mad when there's dumb jokes out there cause you're just like, you're <laughs> yeah, like, you're like, hey man, it's so there's so many different platforms to figure out good, funny stuff now in college game day, I mean, yeah, dude, that's half the fun is you see see the funny signs that are behind them, and see what the best ones,
1: yeah, um, but anyway, um, you know, let's wrap things up, I guess I just wanted to kind of. Uh, ask you, do you have anything you want to promote? I mean, podcasts, shows, uh, this will be coming out, should be coming out on the 31st of March, so a week from today.
0: Hell yeah. Well, yeah, listen to the Merman podcast. It's definitely... Uh, been a lot of fun doing that. If you like barbecue, I also have the Meet Dave bar- uh, podcast. That's M E A T. Uh, hop and have my calendar right here, uh, <laughs> which all my dates are up at I and my Instagram at Uh You said this will be coming out at the beginning of April?
1: No, no, uh, March 31st. So the last day of March.
0: All right, cool. Uh, if you live out in California, I'll be at the Ventura Harbor Comedy Club April 14th and 15th. But in May, I'm hitting the road hard. I'm going to be up in Louisville on May 4th. Uh, Indianapolis at Helium on the 5th and the 6th. St. Louis, I'm going to be at the Hel- at Helium there on uh, May 7th. Uh, the rest of this year, I have dates... All over the country, Chicago Improv at the end of June. That's in Schaumburg, really cool area of town. Um, I'm going to be going to Grand Rapids um, up in Michigan. And me and Forrest are going to do a Merman um, tour down through Florida, probably do Miami, Key West, maybe a couple other cities. I'm going to be in Vegas at the beginning of September. Boise, Idaho in October. Look at all these opportunities people have to come see me. And then I'm going to be up in Canada at the end of the year. And at some point, I'm hoping to add a Huntsville weekend. So for uh, you Auburn people, maybe do a road trip. Come up. Let's hang out in Huntsville. That sounds
1: awesome, man. Um, I... uh... It was really nice, like I said, uh, getting to meet you a couple of months ago and getting to kind of uh, get some behind-the-scenes looks at, you know, the your comedy that I've been enjoying for the past few years. And getting to talk to someone that went to Auburn at a much different era as me uh, than me is really cool. And, uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for your time and thank you for all of your, you know, comedic
0: wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Peter. Well, listen, man. We're friends now, so reach out anytime, and uh, I will see you in Auburn again. And yeah, keep absolutely. doing what you're doing too, man. Uh, you know, keep uh, you know leaning into the the media and, and visual content, and uh, doing podcasts, and um and and never hesitate to reach out to someone that you think you can offer value to, because it might result in a friendship like we have now. So I look forward to more of it, buddy war eagle, war eagle, man. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Not a button. All right, bud.